0: Contacted Denise Anderson who was scheduled to speak for us tonight and I said to her I want you to do what you feel like doing but I want to offer you uh, 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 the opportunity to postpone your message with all the pressure she's under with her mother in the hospital and all that and I felt like it would be a blessing to her. I said you're certainly free but, it, but I want, don't want you to feel badly about having to postpone it because it already postponed her speaking one time. I said I just want to make sure that you don't feel any pressure she wrote me back and, said, and texted me back and said, Pastor, thank you so much for taking that load off me. And I don't feel like I can leave me ready. And I was just trying to labor. didn't know what to do about it. And you used it at the right time. You took that load off. Thank you so much. And said some other nice things. So I said, don't worry about it. I'll get somebody. And I started thinking about it. Who could I get it? And asked somebody at the last minute. I didn't really want to do that. But I thought, well, I want to get somebody really good to fill in because Denise is a good speaker, you know. I want to get somebody really good who could do a good job and really tell us something that we want to hear and be a blessing to us, you know. So I found somebody. And I'm going to introduce him to you right now. Open your Bible with me, please. <laughs> I, 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 I'm really doing this because I, I didn't feel like I could ask anybody, you know, at this today to come here and do this and so You know, I I, I haven't said this in a long time, but I still do it. I used to say that uh, every day I pray for the Lord to speak to me, to give me uh, a message from Him. Let me hear from Him. And to speak to me through discernment, spiritual revelation, and angelic visitation. And I've done that for a long time. I don't do it every day now. I used to do it every day more than once a day. But, uh, But... several times a week I pray just this way and then usually I pray for the Lord to let the Holy Spirit's gifts work through me let me speak words of wisdom words of knowledge words of love words of prophecy words that the Holy Spirit gives and uh, when I pray for discernment I do think God helps me discern things at times gives me understanding about things that I would not ordinarily have and i There may be times, although I can't personally identify it when God speaks to me through angelic visitation. I ask for that, but I don't know that I've ever had that. Although I know the Bible says that we have sometimes entertained angels unaware that we're doing so. So maybe I have not just don't know it yet. It doesn't matter. I pray for God to answer and help me and give me understanding to move through the labyrinth of daily chores and efforts and things that come up. But sometimes I do have a feeling, a strong, strong sense that God has given me a spiritual revelation. And by that I don't mean revealing some new truth, but unveiling some truth to me that I had never quite seen before. And that still happens. After all these years, that still happens. The first message that I the first text and the first message that I ever preached was on the text that was the first message I ever preached in the pulpit of a church, which was in my home church in Goldsboro, North Carolina when my pastor asked me to preach on a Wednesday night. And I was just I think graduating from high school and getting ready to go off to college. And, and uh, I preached on Galatians 2.20, which says I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. the life which I now live in this flesh, in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I preached that message that night, and I think I got off my topic because I didn't know a whole lot about that. Over the years, I've learned about being crucified with Christ. (laughs) It's not as easy or as pleasant as I thought it was in those first years, but... But it's, but it's also great and wonderful and more than I ever realized that it could be to well walk, to walk close with God in that way so in, so in the reading of the book of Galatians I can probably have a discussion with you about the Galatians without going back and reading again this the third chapter of Galatians is 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 really what what the whole epistle is about Does, is God working in our lives by faith Or or is he doing it by the works of the law? And of course Galatians is really all about not turning back to the works of the law once you have discovered the grace of God. And he makes it very clear to all the Hebrews that that great sacrosanct sacred part of your worship and your faith that declares that you are one of the sons of God, circumcision, is no longer effective in the New Testament, because he speaks of the circumcision of the heart. The circumcision was there to show that one was a son of Abraham, of the Abrahamic lineage, that they were of the Hebrews, the Jews. And so when that was ceased in the plan of God, it was a controversy in the early church. A, a, a great division in the early church. Some saying even if you're saved, you still have to be circumcised. Can't go to heaven unless you're circumcised. Paul came along and said, "It's the circumcision of the heart that matters. The physical circumcision means nothing. It's vain and useless in your life for God today." And then he goes on to say here in Galatians chapter three, and this is the part that I all the times I've read Galatians that I wouldn't hesitate to say I, I, I I would not be surprised to know that I've read Galatians a thousand times in my lifetime because it's one of my favorite books of the Bible and I love these four books these four epistles that come together Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians and I've read those four books over and over and over this year in 2017 I've read those four books numerous times but one day, about three months or so back, I was reading this third chapter of Galatians. I read past these verses, 7, 8, 9. And then I, I, got, I was moving on and I started and said, wait a minute, what was that I just read? What? I don't remember that. I went back and read it again. This is what it says. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Now, faith is going to be important. Let me stop. I'm going to pause just a minute and tell you this. What I'm giving you tonight is a succinct summary of what the Lord has shown me about this verse. Because I didn't have time to prepare anything else. I thought I'd give you a preview. The first Sunday of the year, this is going to be my main message. It'll be different, be more than what it is tonight. I'm going to give you your real basics tonight. And I may have to preach it in two parts because the Lord is showing me so much about it. But, but back to verse 7 now. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, not those who are circumcised, not anyone by any act of the flesh, not because you've been born into a family. You're a son of Abraham if you have faith in Jesus Christ, the son of the promise, through whom you are saved in the plan of God's salvation. He goes on to say, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, God knew and presented in the scriptures that he would do that, though the Jews never saw it, and even up to this time many of them did not see it. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, listen to this, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, and you shall all the nations be blessed. That's the part that I never had quite grasped or never dwelt on before. That in those centuries before Jesus was born, the Spirit of God came to Abraham and in promising him that his seed would bless the world by their multiplicity, he said, Paul said, that the Spirit preached the gospel to Abraham that far back before Bethlehem. Can you imagine that? I can see it now where I never would have seen it before. Abraham was given a promise. God said, I will give you and Sarah a son, and he will be the son of the promise. They were already up in years, and and time was passing by. And when that first promise first came, Sarah kind of snickered at it. Later, later she came to believe, but she kind of snickered at it. And then Abraham said, well, how can this be? We're not of the age to bear children. It's going to be a miracle, child, a son of the promise. So time passed and the promise was not fulfilled. Time went on. Abraham kept saying, but God, you promised me a son, a son. You promised me the son who would be the son of the promise. And you said that through this, son, my, my seed would be multiplied beyond understanding and bless the world. And I don't have any, any child. I don't have a son. When is it going to happen, Lord? They came to the point that their faith wavered. And Sarah said to Abraham, I have a handmaiden, Hagar. I think you should take her as a concubine. And try to conceive a child with her. Let God fulfill his promise to us through your having a, 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 a child with Hagar. Because I'm well past years to be able to bear a child. And Abraham listened to Sarah. And she had a son named Ishmael. And the years still passed. And then God came on the scene again and said to Abraham, Now is the time for you to have the son of the promise. It isn't Ishmael. I made the promise to you and Sarah. God keeps promises to people that he makes promises to. God hadn't made you a promise. He's not obligated to do it. Of course, he promises us through his word. He's obligated to do what his word says. Sometimes he makes personal statements to us. That day was before the revelation of the word. There's no written word for Abraham. He had to hear from God. So God spoke to him, and now he said, now it's time to have a son. So they had a son. He and Sarah miraculously had a son, overjoyed, rejoicing, And when that son was born, there was an enmity, a jealousy between Hagar and Sarah and between Ishmael and Isaac, who was the newborn son, the son of the It's about 15 years on into the life of Ishmael. Sarah said to Hagar, to Abraham, "Cast out Hagar and her son. I can't have her living here anymore." That is a long, long, long involvement, and in that I'm not going to go into that right now. I'm just, I'm just telling you this: that Isaac was the son of the promise. He was the only son of the promise. It was through Isaac that Father God planned to reveal Jesus Christ to the world through his lineage. As the, as the time passed and the centuries went by. Till it came to the time for the story of Bethlehem to occur. God's plan was through Isaac, and God told Abraham that. And Abraham knew that. And there were most of the time, Abraham believed it. He just had a faltering time when he didn't really accept it, and he took the way of the flesh. When I preach this message in full, I'm going to talk to you about staggering at the promises of God. And how not to have that happen. And if it does happen, how to recover from it. And how to realize that the promises of God, even if they are long past due in your mind and mine, are still the promises of God. And God will always keep his promise. He'll never allow man to say, God is a liar. He didn't do what he said he would do because he is not a liar. He stands by His Word, and what God has said He will do. God's Word is true because His Word cannot fail. No word spoken by God can ever fail, is what the Word itself says. And He will keep His Word. What He has said to you, He will fulfill. If you've heard from God, be assured that what God has said is going to happen. I'm preaching to me and you to hold on to what God has said. Don't take the way of the flesh. You cannot fulfill God's promise. You can't do it. You have to keep trusting and believing Him. But as you do, God will always do what He said He will do. So God gave Abraham and Sarah a son, Isaac. And now, what does it mean that God preached the gospel to Abraham? I want you to imagine what it would be, and, and you and I cannot really imagine it, but try. What it would be like to have been given this, this, this promised son, God's promise fulfilled in Isaac. And now you've rejoiced when you've you, you, you raised this little boy, this little toddler, you've raised him up. You've taught him in training, you've taught him to be a shepherd, you've taught him the good things. You've told him about Almighty God. You've given him all you know. You've blessed him as, you, as his father. You've blessed him. And you know that God keeps his word. You know that God keeps his promises. You know that God does what he says he'll do because here's Isaac to prove it. You've got the fulfillment of the promise and then God comes to you one morning and says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac out to a mountain that I will show you. And I want you to take the elements of a sacrifice and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. That's a deal killer. It's beyond what we can accept. It's beyond our culture. I don't know of any time in the Bible, if I'm wrong, tell me, not now, but later sometime. I don't know any time in the Bible when God ever said anything about any human sacrifice. Didn't ever say it to Adam and Eve, didn't say it to Joshua, didn't say it to Moses. Never, never do you hear anything in the Bible about a human sacrifice. God never said that to anybody except Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac out on the mountain, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. And I don't know what Abraham was thinking or what he was saying, but I can I can be pretty strong to be sure that I'm right and thinking he said, well, this is crazy. It can't, first of all, that can't be God talking to me. But he knew the voice of God. He'd heard it more than one time. He knew what God is, he knew what he knew when God was speak to him. So now he, well, I don't I wish it weren't God, but it must be. I believe it. I know God's voice. But how how would you come to how would you come to the place knowing this special young man given to you by the promise of God? You have been promised that his seed will bless the world as it expands. And now God, who gave you this son, is telling you to take him out on the mountain, and it turned out to be Mount Moriah, and offer him as a sacrifice. Put a knife in him and take his life. No, Lord. There's just sometimes times to say no. I put my foot down and say, no, God. No, God, that just cannot be. I don't know that Abraham did that. Edward, indicates he got it and decided to make plans to do it. So I'm not saying that he did this. I'm just saying that's exactly the way I would feel about it, exactly what you would feel about it. In fact, you uh, you and I would say, but again, we live in another culture that cannot even embrace that. But again, they had a culture. There was nothing about human sacrifice anywhere in the Bible up to the time of Abraham or even after that where God ever offered, ever asked anybody to offer a human being as a sacrifice to him, but he asked Abraham to offer Abraham, Isaac as a sacrifice. And Abraham decided to do it. I believe that for Abraham to be able to do that took a supernatural experience. That is, it is not natural. It is against everything in a human being. We think no matter what area, what town they lived in, this is contrary to God. It's not like God at all. I've ta- God talked to me when he told me to come out of the land, verve the Chaldeans and go to land, he'd show me a land, and he did. God spoke to me time and time again. He spoke to and said he give me a son. He gave me a son finally. And now this is the same voice I heard before. But why in the world is he telling me to do this? It cannot be. But how could he accept it? I'll tell you how he could accept it. Because the Spirit of God had already revealed the gospel to him. Had already revealed enough to know that Isaac was the type of the son that was going to be offered on the cross of Calvary centuries down time and down that corridor of time God had a plan of salvation this is a part of it and that is why Abraham in the book of Hebrews let me read it to you Hebrews chapter 11 and and, and uh, I think it's uh, I think it's about the verse 17 let me let me get quickly Hebrews 11. Somewhere about 17. And, and, and So here it is. <clears throat> here it is. 17, that's right. Abraham now is, has been told by God to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises, Abraham was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God, listen, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He believed that if he sacrificed Isaac on Mount Moriah, that God would raise him from the dead. Where in the world would he get an idea like that? Because the Spirit of God had revealed the gospel to him, had shown him these centuries ahead, that there was coming a time when God would offer his only son, his son of the promise, his only begotten son, he would offer him on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And Abraham is bringing about a type of that, showing that Isaac is a great type of Christ in the Old Testament. Abraham was totally convinced this is why he could so be willing to do it. By faith he went up the mountain and he was ready to offer Isaac as a sacrifice because God had already revealed to him. As a reveal, I don't know that he revealed everything about the gospel to him. He revealed enough of the gospel to know that he was going to bring a sacrifice into the world for the sins of the world. And that that was going to be his only begotten son. And that when he died, that he was going to raise him again. And Isaac was that son of the promise. So Abraham totally believed that what God said to him when he revealed the gospel to him, the gospel message that a son would rise from the dead. But Isaac, he might have thought Isaac was that very son. Who knows? I don't know how much he revealed to him, but I know he preached enough of the gospel to him for Abraham to have the faith that God would raise Isaac up again if he sacrificed him on that mountain of Moriah, on that altar that he laid out there. It's amazing. It amazes me. I read that. And, and I know I've read it so many times before, I don't know it, it it never really sunk into me like it did when I read it this time. I've always questioned in my own mind how could I how could Abraham, even Abraham, have that, have that much faith? Now I know, because God had already told him <laughs> enough of the gospel. For him to I knew what I knew what Hebrew said that he believed he'd raise him up again, but why would he believe that? He believed it because the Spirit of God had already spoken the message of the gospel to him before. He ever took Isaac up on that mountain. At the time that God was telling him, your seed through Isaac, the son of the promise, will bless the world and be greater than the stars of the heavens and the sands of the seashore. That can't happen with the dead son. So in that telling Abraham that, he told him how that would be. And what his plan was. So then when he told him to sacrifice him, mean, Abraham, this is a part of the plan. And how, is he going to bless, how has he blessed the world? Through the seed of Isaac. More than the stars of heaven, more than the sands of the sea. He has blessed them because the seed of Isaac is the seed of Jesus Christ. The offspring of God. Not offsprings, but one offspring. Isaac, Jesus. The offspring of God, Jesus Christ, giving his life on the cross for us, for our salvation, is the evidence of God's promise being fulfilled to Abraham. And now, all, and the Bible says that those who are are of faith, not those of circumcision, as the Jews would have it, as the Hebrews would have it, but all those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. So all of those who are living in faith in Jesus Christ, I've said this before and preached this before again and again, that it isn't circumcision, it isn't the law that binds us to Christ. It is faith in Jesus Christ, and by that we become sons of Abraham. We are the true sons of the promise, the true sons of Abraham, those who believe in Jesus Christ, the promise of God. And Abraham knew that. Amen. Amen. Abraham knew that because the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, preached the gospel to him. So he said he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So figuratively speaking, that he was ready to offer him. He didn't actually slay Isaac because the angel came and stopped his hand and provided him with the sacrifice. But he was ready to do that. In his heart, he offered him as a sacrifice. And God stopped it. And then Abraham came to understand. that was for him to come to understand that. So so God fulfilled his promise. God fulfilled his word. God made it known and made it clear to Abraham that what he was doing was a, 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 a type of the fulfillment of the gospel message that the Spirit of God had already revealed to Abraham. Powerful truth for us. And so here, so a uh, 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 number of things I have moved over quickly that I'm going to talk to you about in detail and elaborate on much more when I preach this a few Sundays from now. But I want to tell you about now about the promise. Even even though the Spirit of God revealed to Abraham the great message of the gospel, he still had to move in faith. Hebrew says by faith. He went up to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. He still had to do it all by faith. The only way to live for God is by faith. And faith in the promises of God. Abraham had faith in God's promises. God had fulfilled his word to him in the past. He step by step had revealed himself to Abraham in gracious and precious ways. Abraham was not a perfect man. There are times in the Bible that we the record he failed. But he was a follower of God. And he lived, listen, he lived by the promises of God. It was the promise of God that gave him Isaac. It was the promise of God that allowed him to obey God, go up on the mountain and and be willing to offer him as a sacrifice. It was the promise of God that caused him to know that if he did, God would raise him up from the dead. And he'd be the fulfillment of the gospel. So I'm sure that Abraham had a rudimentary, very elementary understanding of the gospel. Didn't perceive it all, but he knew enough to believe that there was a resurrection. If the sacrifice was made, that a resurrection would be brought about by the hand of Almighty God and the powerful eternal spirit of the Holy God, and that God would give him a miracle. So that's what we have to do to hold on to the promises of God. Abraham faltered early on. At the promise. That's why. I, that's why uh, Ishmael was born. But then God brought him back and fulfilled the promise. So sometimes, even if we fail in our pursuit of holding on to the promises of God, God can overcome that failure and bring us back into the embrace of His promise. And though you say, "Well, God promised me," and I, I just I, I faltered, I wavered, I, I just came to, I didn't believe it, just wasn't sure, and just kind of gave up on it, well, get back into not giving up on it. Get back into holding on to the promise of God. Because if you hold on to God's promise, God will do everything he said he would do, as impossible as it may seem. Abraham having a son, Sarah bearing a child, as impossible as that is. When you deviate and try to bring about the fulfillment of what God told you to do it on your own, you'll always wind up in a mess. But if you stand faithful to God and hold on to Him, what He said to you, He will do. And I know you think because you've been holding on for nine years, six months, seven days, and 32 hours, that you think it's about time God do something or tell you why He's not doing it. But listen, friend, that's the time when you come to that place. You've got to keep on holding on. You can't let go. You can't turn loose. If God said it, God will do it. That's the message of Isaac and Abraham and the promise made about if you will follow God, do what God leads you to do, and God speaks to your heart to do, and God's made you a promise, he will lead you into the fulfillment of that promise that he's made to you. I believe that. And I say that as somebody who's still got promises to be fulfilled. I've still got things that God told me he was going to do. And I will tell you that there have been times that I've got weekly, I've been weak about believing it, because I, even though I know better, I think well, uh, the first thing you think is I might have missed God. Maybe God didn't say what I thought He said. I, I I prayed about that a good while back, and the Lord showed me how to how to know that what He said to me is from Him. I'm not going to go into all that right now, but again, be sure you don't miss the rest of this on the first Sunday of January. God, the Lord showed me how to know it. I, I, that it's His voice. I, I, it is His voice. And, I, and it, it's, it's really pretty simple. If God has ever spoken to you, He will speak to you the same way the second time. Or the third time. However, every time he speaks to you, he will speak to you the same way. I don't mean to say that it'll be the same circumstances, but I mean it'll be the same voice. He, you know, he he's, he doesn't have to disguise his voice or hide his presence. When he speaks to you the second time, it'll be the same way he spoke to you the first time. You you it'll be the same voice. Jesus said, "My sheep know my voice." We know what it it's God. How? Huh? Because we listen to. We've heard Him. I've heard Him before, and this time He's not speaking in a small, squeaky voice. The last time he spoke, kind am a booming thunderbolt. No, it's the same voice. Because I, I'm not smart enough to understand it if he disguises his voice and speaks in all different kinds of ways. I'm only smart enough to understand it if he speaks to me the same way every time. So that's one of the ways I know it's God if he speaks to me this time, just like he spoke to me in the past. That's profound, whether you know it or not. It's really, it's really, really profound. And then, then further steps on that, I'll... I'll I will elucidate that further in, in, as I have time to develop this morning. That's why I say I've taken the time of a sermon tonight, so I may have to do two parts on that coming up. But if I do, I will. It doesn't matter. I, God has showing me some things that, about that all, uh, that I'm not even speaking right now. But God showed me some things about that message that are really, really encouraging me. It's really, really encouraging me. Because I, I know what it means to falter at the promise of God. I know what it means to say, Well, Lord... I, whatever reason it is that you're not fulfilled, you haven't fulfilled your promise yet. Maybe I missed you, Lord. And I just told you how God helped me overcome that. Partly, I told you part of. It. Maybe I missed you, Lord. Maybe it wasn't your voice that I thought I, that I heard that I, when I thought it was you. Or maybe I didn't understand what it was you said. And God helped me with that too. So if I know that it's the same as you, it's the same voice. And I know that I did understand what you said, because you see, God doesn't speak to us trying to hide what he means. He doesn't say to he doesn't say something to to try to confuse us so we're not sure what he meant when he said that. You may not know the whole fulfillment of it all, but if God said, I'm going to heal you, or I, I'm I'm going to give you this answer of your prayer and what is it that your heart desires. It says, I'm going to do it. And I preached one time not too long back here, if you may remember it or you may not, but I preached not too far back, I think back in the summer, this message that I told God is not a trickster. And this is kind of where it comes from. God's not saying things to try to trick us, try to trip us up and fool us. He wants to be clear. He wants to make it clear. Sometimes we take the simple things of God and convolute it by adding and putting all things on a random God couldn't have meant it just like that when that's really what He did mean. That's what He meant. And He says what He means and means what He says. I like that. Don't you You think about that. That's a good thing about God. He says what He means and means what He says. We want Him to say what He means. We're not sure we always want Him to have the other part. <laughs> but it's all important. So... So God preached the gospel through the Holy Spirit to Abraham at the time that he told Abraham, in Isaac will your seed be called, and the seed of Isaac will bless the world as it becomes more numerous than the stars of the heaven and more numerous than the sand of the seashore. His seed will bless the world, and that seed has done that through the centuries, Through the revelation of the salvation message in Jesus Christ, those who have come to Jesus in salvation by faith are the sons of Abraham and the seed of Isaac in the son of the promise, the Lord Jesus. So that's the beginning. That's the beginning. (laughs) uh, I'm going to just say this one last thing. about about the promises of God. It is not a sin to waver at the promise of God. It may be a failure. It's certainly not an impeachable or unforgivable sin to falter at the promise of God. If that were the case, then all of us would be in desperate trouble. I know I would be. It's not a sin to falter at the promise of God and wonder if God all have all these wondering questions. What makes it wrong is when we stay in that and don't come back to that confident faith that we need to have in God to fulfill the promises He makes to us. That's that's when we fail, when we don't come back and say, Well, God, it really it, you really did speak to me. It really is your voice, it really is your promise. And even though it may not be fulfilled now and it may not be coming in the next 30 days I'm going to hold on to you until it does come and when it comes you will recognize when you're the fulfillment of the promise you'll recognize it Abraham knew that Ishmael was not the son of the promise he knew that that wasn't the fulfillment of God's word to him you will know when it comes to God, this is God's answer. It may not be the answer you were expecting. That's how I wound up in Orange Park. I didn't know. I did not. It wasn't a clue in my mind. Even after I came and I was standing there and I was preaching, it would never, never, it didn't dawn on me one time. This is what God told me when he said he's changing, he's going to change my life. It didn't. It never occurred to me. That Wednesday night that I've already described to you was the first time it ever occurred to me. This is what God meant when he said he changed my life. So God may have his promise being fulfilled, and you, you, you need to get the revelation that this is God's answer. But God will do, he will do everything he said he will do. Abraham knew that because he had the revelation of the gospel in advance. You and I know it because we have the revelation of the gospel established and know that we can trust God and believe God through His Word and the work of His Holy Spirit in our lives. So that's a little uh, miniature version of all of this. But when I preach this again, you, you will hear a, a great deal more about standing firm in the promises of God and how we can do that. Abraham did it because he had a special revelation of the Lord. You and I can do it because we have a revelation from Him as well. And it's in His Word. It's in His Word. His revelation to us is in His Word. When we stand on His Word, believe believe His Word, the Word He's spoken and the Word He's spoken to our hearts, we're going to see the fulfillment of God's promises that we know He's made to us. Maybe to save your family. Maybe to save a certain family member. Maybe to do something else. But as long as as, if God has promised it, God has said it, we can be absolutely sure that God will do it. Amen. You believe it? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right.